Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast. this morning. We are ready to go. Engaged. Um, So today I've got a ton, ton, ton to cover that we're not going to get to, but I've still got it. Um, So, but before I get there, two things real quick. If you've been coming recently to Foundation Church, we are having recently, I mean like within the last six months or so. Um, if you have never been to pizza with the pastors, we would love to have you. We only have 10 spots left. It is tonight. It's at 5.30 down in the FC Kids Room. We have childcare. It costs nothing. We don't want, it's not like a, a timeshare uh, presentation where we talk you into tithing for so long and then you get so many units at Foundation Shirts. It's not it. Um, but we would love to just, it's literally like speed dating with the staff, Um, and we would love to get a chance to hang out with you. You guys get to know us, us to get to know you. Um, So if you would like to do that, you need to get online. This is the only time I will tell you to get online for something other than the sermon. Uh, Get online, foundationschurch.tv, click on Pizza with the Pastors, because it's the first 10 that sign up right now that get to come. So um, we do hideaway pizza because life's too short for crappy pizza. Um, So, um, and I should have used a different adjective there, but it's out and that's what I did. So, um, hey, Mother's Day weekend is next weekend and we get to celebrate all the ladies that are over the age of whatever we want to make it, right? We are going to be celebrating the ladies here at Foundation Church. Um, We are, I thought I said something wrong again. Um, we We celebrate every, it happens all the time, especially at home. We celebrate all the ladies because we understand Mother's Day can be a hard day for some. Um, some, maybe you're missing your mom. Maybe, uh, man, you're just struggling uh, with infertility. And we get that. We want to be sensitive to that. And so we make it to where we just celebrate every lady. And so moms, ladies, all of you out there, we think the world of you come, make your family. Here's what your gift needs to be. You had to come to church with me, right? Um, Mother's Day is a great day. It's kind of like Easter for us to go out and invite people to come to church with us. And we're going to have cupcakes for the moms. There's photo booths. Guys, suck it up for one day. Um, There's photo booths for the ladies as well. Um, And there's going to be some very creative elements into our service that we're going to be putting in. So just make plans to be here with us. Uh, same three services, same guy, sorry, doesn't change very much. Um, scenery doesn't get any better with age, but hey, um, we are excited about it. So today we are in our second week 
of surviving your dungeon. And I have three points and two sub points, so just pray. Um, and I've already told the AV team this, good luck, because um, I'm going to be all over the place. But this, this, this is a series about how do you survive in a place you never wanted to be in in the first place? How do you survive in that place. And today, if I was going to title my message, it would be called Slinkies and Filters, Slinkies and Filters. And so um, we're going to get to that. But to set up the text today that is found in Acts chapter 16, need to have kind of some understanding of what's going on. Paul and Silas are on Paul's second missionary journey. They are preaching, they're teaching, they're going around. There's miracles that are happening. People are getting saved. And while they're in one of the cities, they're walking around and getting ready to go to the place of prayer. And while they're going to the temple, there's a lady that just keeps following them around, Paul and Silas, and just driving them nuts. And it's not his mother-in-law. It's just people that are driving. We have to be nice next week, not this one. Um, but they're just following them around everywhere. And so um, she's a fortune teller. She's a psychic. And uh, so Paul has had enough. He turns around. He's like, demon out. The demon comes out. Um, and the problem is that she was a servant. She was a slave for some masters. And the only way that she made money was by being a psychic and telling people's fortunes. And so um, she can't do that. And the, 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 ser- the masters get mad. And they bring all these false accusations against Paul and Silas. And they get the city officials involved, and that's where we pick up. Acts chapter 16, verse 22, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. And suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. And all the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. We talked about that verse a lot last week, so if you missed it, go back and watch last week's message. Verse 27, the jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted, shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself. We are all here. Today, I want to talk to you about the dungeon of loneliness. A dungeon of loneliness. And, and what do you do when you are battling loneliness? You are battling aloneness. One thing that I realize is that loneliness, you can feel lonely in, the, in a crowd of people. You can feel lonely surrounded by friends. You can feel lonely surrounded by coworkers. You can feel lonely surrounded uh, at Thanksgiving. You just feel lonely. Just because you have people around you doesn't mean that you aren't lonely. Um, The opposite is true. You can be isolated. You can be alone. Alone isn't necessarily the same as being lonely. You can be alone. Some of the moms here, um, the one thing you want next week is two hours of alone time for Mother's Day. That's it. Um, It's the one thing that money can't buy, right? You just want some alone time. And here's the deal. Isolation is okay in moments, but the problem becomes when isolation becomes a lifestyle. 
Because when it becomes a lifestyle, it leads to loneliness. Man, Jesus would isolate himself just to get away from the crowds, gather himself. You need to have times where you, you get alone, but in the process of it, we've got to make sure our aloneness and our isolation doesn't turn into loneliness. Um, right now in, in our world, on social media, the social media of, of Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp, there are 2.7 billion people around the world that are on one of those three social media accounts. Um, and it is estimated that every day, 2.1 billion people, that's with a B, 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 billion people are using one of these apps. It's crazy to me, we are the most well-connected that we've ever ever been, and yet loneliness is at an all-time high in our world. We're a society where people feel lonely and alone. And so what do you do when you're in a dungeon and when you're in a place that you never wanted to be in? What do you do when you, when you feel lonely and you feel alone? How do you function in that dungeon? How do you survive that dungeon and get out of that place of loneliness? There's three things I want to share with you, but the first one is really, really practical that comes right out of this text. And I would just challenge you this morning in this, that you've got to find your Silas. You've got to find your Silas. Most of us are like Paul and some other guy were in jail, right? Like Silas doesn't get a lot of press. Paul and Silas. And when I say find your Silas, probably a lot of us are like, well, yeah, that's the Apostle Paul. Who wouldn't want to hang out with the Apostle Paul? Well, let's check this out. Acts chapter 9, verse 26 through 27 talks about the conversion, the conversion of Paul. Here's what's going on. Um, Paul was riding down the road of Damascus. He was the persecutor of the church. His name, he, it's kind of like he was Prince. You know, the artist, for, the artist formerly known as Prince, that's Paul. He was also formerly known as Saul, right? So Paul, formerly known as the artist of Saul, um, he is Saul walking down the road of Damascus, and he is blinded. There's an appearance. There's this encounter by Jesus Christ. Um, he's blinded. Then one of the other followers of Christ come and find him, and, and, and Saul is the number one numero uno person of persecuting Christians. Um, and they weren't called Christians at that time. They were called followers of the way. Um, they, they were just Christ followers, and they didn't even know what to call themselves, um, and, and, and there's just a sect, and it was Saul's job, also known as Paul, Saul's job to stomp and to stamp out this movement that was happening. And so he has this, this, this God encounter, and we pick up in Acts chapter 9, and he's wanting to meet with all the disciples. And it says this, Acts chapter 9, verse 26 through 27, when Paul came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples but they were all afraid of him, not believing he was really a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Here's the deal. Paul, formerly known as Saul, <laughs> um, was, hey, he had a past. He had a past. And so because of his past, 
The godly people, the disciples, didn't want to meet with them because they're like, I know what you're saying. You've got the verbiage down, but I'm not sure you're growing and changing, Paul, right? Like, I, you can change your name, but I think you're the same. That just rhymed. But, um, you know, I just kind of one of those things where the disciples were, and this, these, were, these were godly men, but they were scared. And sometimes we can feel like Paul, and well, who would want to be a friend with me? Because nobody's going to let you, uh, you know, a married man hang out with me because of all the stupid stuff I've done. You know, nobody's wife's going to let them hang out with me. Nobody's husband's going to let them hang out with me. Nobody's going to want to hang out with me because I have a past. And, and Paul finds a friend named Barnabas who vouches for Paul, who, who is a witness for Paul, and he works as kind of a mediator between the disciples accepting Paul and, and, and Paul's past. And, and, and so you think, okay, there's Paul and Barney. Paul and Barney become besties, right? And we're like, yes. And they go on a road trip, and they're on the first missionary journey. It's Paul and Barney's missionary journey. Sounds like a movie. They're going all these places. They're building wonderful memories. And then there's a fallout between Paul and Barney, right? And you're like, well, wait a second. What happened? Acts 15, verse 39 through 40, they had such a sharp disagreement talking about Paul and Barnabas that they parted company. And Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. There's a problem. Barnabas wanted to take John Mark with him, but Paul was like, he quit on us last time, and I'm not down with quitters, right? We will have no quitting here. So Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. Here's what I want to tell us. You're not going to get along with everyone that you go to church with. What? That's why there's First Baptist, Second Baptist, First Baptist, Fourth Baptist, Fifth Baptist in the same town. They just keep splitting, right? Here's the deal. You're, there's going to be certain people that just aren't your flavor, right? Like every, you don't use every crown in the, in the, in the box. That's okay. And some of you, maybe you've had disagreements with people you've gone to church with. That's okay. Man, the, the early church, the, the disciples had disagreements or arguments. And here's what Paul didn't do. He didn't say, well, the disciples didn't want me. You know, Barney's now not even my friend. We have a disagreement. And he goes with John Mark and totally trades me in. And now my bestie doesn't want to have anything to do with me. You know, I'm just going to take my ball and go home. No, 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 no. He finds a Silas. He finds somebody that he can continue to do life with. He doesn't get down. He doesn't stay alone. He doesn't isolate. But he finds somebody he can continue to do ministry and do life with. And finding your Silas takes effort on your part. And what I hear a lot of time as a pastor, when people leave churches and it's not just foundation church, it's all the way across. Well, I just can never connect with anyone. Hear me, you're the, the only person that can connect you to others is you. You've got to put effort into it. And some of us want to say, well, I'm an introvert. That doesn't mean you don't need people though. You can be an introvert. I'm an extrovert, surprise, surprise, um, but you can be an introvert, but that doesn't mean you can do life alone. You've got to have other people to do life with. And Paul was very purposeful in finding his Silas. And how much purpose, how intentional are you in finding other relationships? Because what happens is we think great relationships will just happen. They don't. 
Great relationships are worked for and formed, and, and man, you work for those great relationships. And one of the things we believe here at Foundation Church is we're better together. That's why we have connect groups. And you may think, well, there's a bunch of strangers that I don't know. Right, you're going to have to get to know strangers if they're not going to stay strangers. If you're going to make new friends, it's going to be with new people, right? Like this is so elementary, but it's like we, we make it, well, when I go to a connect group, is this going to be like a cult thing? Like, I remember one of our, our people that goes to church, his name's Mike Howard. He's like, I was so against connect groups, small groups, whatever you want to call it. He goes, I knew it was going to be a cult. I knew it was going to be weird people I'm surrounded by. And we're going around our group. And I swear this happened. We're sitting there and everybody's introducing themselves. And Mike and Ray, his wife, Rachel, just got done introducing themselves. And the person right next to him, um, she doesn't go to our church anymore. She moved away. And we all laugh about it now. She goes, well, I just got out of a cult. And like, Mike's like, what? I knew it. Like, I knew it. I knew this. And he's like, he said, I about grabbed my stuff and got out of there. But, but here's the deal. We're better together is very true, but what's also true, we're in trouble alone. We're better together, but man, hear me, we're in trouble alone. I was watching a, uh, a documentary about like planet Earth, and I was watching the wolves hunt bison. I'm like, there's no way a wolf can take down a bison. And when the bison are within the herd, there's no way the wolves stay a chance. Here's what the wolves try to do. They can just divert one bison from the rest of the herd. Their plan is to isolate and run him down. Just keep him running because eventually that bison is going to get tired. Eventually that bison is going to wear out. And after a while, once it gets tired and once it's ran far enough away from the herd, there's no threat of another bison coming in and he's lost the protection of the herd. And can I tell you, our enemy, Satan works the same way. Man, if he can isolate you, if he can get you away from a group of believers, man, you're in a dangerous place because then you have no other believer who is strong, who, who you're doing life with to come in and tell you truth from feelings, to, to, to interrupt the lies that you are listening to and invade it with the truth of what the reality of your situation is. I love what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 through 12. It says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Can I tell you the, the reality of this scripture is this, it doesn't matter how strong you are right now, you need other people in your life. It doesn't matter how godly you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been living this whole following Jesus thing out. You need other people to do life with because we are better together, but we're trouble. We're in trouble when we try to do it alone. And, and, and the reality is there's no exemption to this. You're not exempt from this message or this principle because you are young or because you are old. You are not exempt from this because you are a pastor. 
Now, there are a lot of pastors that deal with loneliness. Good news is I'm not one of those, so this sermon isn't going into some weird direction. I'm so alone. I need friends. Um, but, <laughs> but there are so many pastors, there's so many missionaries that, man, they're doing the work of God, but it doesn't eliminate, it doesn't exempt them from this being a reality and a truth. In fact, if you want to look at it, man, you talk about one of the most biblical people that ever walked the earth. It's found in 1 Kings chapter 19. And we're not going to go through the whole thing because it's pretty much the whole chapter, and I've got it in your notes for you today. But 1 Kings chapter 18 is talking about Elijah and the Mount, on Mount Carmel. And why he's battle, when he's battling, what's happening is this, is that he's going to battle against all the prophets of Baal. There's 450 prophets of Baal. There's one Elijah. And they're having this showdown because all of Israel has turned and started to worship Baal. Baal. And so they have started worshiping Baal. Elijah's like, hey, let, let's, let's, let's do this an easy way here. Let's both build sacrifices and an altar. And whosoever God consumes the, the sacrifice and the offering that's being presented, it, it, that's whose God is real and the God we'll serve. And the like, prophets of Baal are like, okay, there's one of you and 450 of us. And so prophets of Baal are out there. They're out there for hours. In fact, I think this is the first recorded uh, uh, passage of scripture or recorded in history where somebody starts talking trash and noise. It's not a basketball court. And Elijah's like talking to all the 450 prophets. They're cutting themselves. They're weeping. They're moaning. And he's like, hey, maybe your God's stuck on the toilet. Um, may, I'm being for real. That's what he's saying. Maybe he's asleep. Maybe so. And so all this happens. Nothing happens. And Elijah just ups the ante. He's like, hey, keep pouring some water on. In fact, pour water on the altar, then dig a trench and pour some more water in. And he calls down, he calls to God, God sends down a fire, consumes the, the, the offering, the altar, and all of a sudden, all 450 uh, prophets are killed. Isaiah, uh, excuse me, Elijah has turned Israel hopefully back to the Lord. They realize Jehovah God is the God of everything. And then 1 Kings 19, in the same moment all this has happened, right? Uh, Cool little factoid too. He ends the drought that's been happening in Israel. And so he has to deal with two people, King Ahab and Jezebel. Some of you are like, I didn't know Jezebel was real. Are you just busy calling other people Jezebel? It's a real thing. Um, he's dealing with King Ahab and Jezebel. And Jezebel's like, may the gods deal so severely with me if I don't kill you by this time tomorrow. And Elijah has what I call post-battle syndrome. He's tired. The only person with him is a servant. We don't have his name. And so he runs for his life. He, he goes on and he lays underneath what they call a broom tree. And he gets there and he's like, you know what, God, just kill me now. He's like a mom after a really long day. Like, God, just take me. I can't take these kids anymore. Just, this is the easy way out, right? And, 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 and this is him. He just got done seeing God move in an amazing way. And yet he's like, you know what? No, it really, it's easier for me for you to just take me and let me die. And so God sends an angel, feeds Elijah. Elijah wakes up, angel goes, you're not ready yet. Eat some more, go sleep, because the journey ahead of you is way too much. Eats some more, takes off into the, into the, uh, uh, the wilderness, 40 days, 40 nights traveling. Um, and some of you are already hungry for lunch. Man, Elijah made it on one meal, 40 days. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Um, so he's there. He comes to this cave. And, and him and him, God and Elijah have a moment. 
And God asked Elijah there, he goes, Elijah, what are you doing here? There's a whole message in this that I, I don't have time to preach. And Elijah goes into his kind of sob story. I'm all alone. I'm the only prophet left. All the Israelites have abandoned you. Now I've got some woman saying she's going to beat me up, you know. And, and he's like, he, you know, that, and then the thunder, the earthquake, all that happens. And then still small voice. And, and Elijah realizes God's in the still small voice. And God asks him again, Elijah, what are you doing here? Elijah goes into the same spill. And then God sets it in reality. Elijah, you're not alone. 7,000 men and women that I have set aside, set a remnant aside that haven't bowed to Baal or kissed his feet or worshiped him. You are not alone. In the midst of Elijah being alone and feeling lonely and as godly as he was, he allowed his emotions and the moment to dictate his reality. What you and I have to be careful with, with is this. We cannot allow isolation and loneliness to turn into deception. We can't allow isolation and loneliness to turn into deception. Mother Teresa said this, the most terrible poverty is loneliness and the feeling of being unloved. To be deceived, deception means this, the act of making someone believe that something, to believe Let's start that over. The act of making someone believe something that is not true. Another word for being deceived or deception is fraud. Now, if you were a kid in the 90s, I'm even going to throw this out to the 90s somewhat, um, or the kids in the 80s, specifically kids in the 80s, if you had a friend that had a two-story house, for whatever reason, this was just the reality of my life. If you had a two-story house, you were rich. I'm being for real. Like, you were like, oh, you're a rich kid. Like, because you have a two-story house, right? Like, growing up, all I wanted was stairs. I mean, I was just like, I don't care. I just want stairs. Like, because I have arrived if my house has stairs. Um, now I'm like, why do we have stupid stairs? Um, but here's why. Here, here's one of the reasons, one of the many reasons, but one of the reasons why is because there was a toy that was sold in the 80s, 90s. I still think they sell them that was absolute fake news. It is called a slinky. Um, and I don't know if you have ever seen a slinky, but I'm like, why did you buy me a slinky? I have no stairs, right? And so you would see this perfect young kids having fun and the slinkies going down like the Empire State Building of stairs just going and going and rainbowing down, just walking. And I mean, it turned corners and just kept walking down. And like, you're like, that's the coolest toy ever. So somebody who, who was poor like us didn't, we weren't poor, but you get the feeling. They're just like, what do I have to buy this guy, but still get invited to his birthday party? They buy you a slinky, right? And so they bought me a slinky and I'm like, one stare. Boom. I'm like, now what I do? So anytime, <laughs> like, well, that was cool. Um, but anytime I would go to like a friend's house that had stairs, I was like, I'm taking my slinky. And you know what happened? <laughs> I'm serious. I would put it back in the box. It was like new. I'd take my slinky out. I was like, I've got the greatest toy for your stairs. And I'm like, okay. So we would get it. And we would like even skip a step, right? We'd skip a step. And you know what happened? After one, maybe two passes where it does, it just collapses and rolls down the stairs. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me right now? Fake news. And, and, and here's the deal. I was like, I was, 
It looked great, but it wasn't. Can I tell you? Okay, so let me bring this up to current reality. All you Toy Story people with the, with the slinky dog, man, if he got stretched out like that, there's no way he's coming back normal because he is kinked up. And once a slinky gets kinked up, it's never the same. I'm just telling you. It's the reality of it. And so <clears throat> we got deceived with what we thought should be that really wasn't. And what happens with loneliness and aloneness is that we get deceived and we believe a reality is what it is because of the emotion of the moment. And we start listening to our feelings and we start listening to our emotions and it must be reality because that's the way we feel. But, but here's what I would tell you is that loneliness and aloneness is the perfect breeding ground for lies. And you have to be extremely careful when you are alone or you are feeling lonely because what has a tendency to happen is we start believing the lies of the moment. And the problem is when you are alone, and I've said this, is that you don't have anybody to invade your life with the truth. That's why you got to find your Silas. Man, when you allow yourself to be alone, and after a while, loneliness starts to set in, you are very easily deceived. Because then you start listening to the lies and the emotions of the moment, because that's the way you feel. And when we allow ourselves to be deceived, we get tricked. And we buy into something that's not real. There's fraud that's happening in our relationship and in our life. Can I tell you, for, for anybody that may have just gone through a rough relationship, and maybe you're divorced, or maybe, man, for, I'm talking to teenagers, college students, man, singles, what, whatever it may be, just because your relationship ended doesn't mean your value's different. Listen to me, just because your relationship ended, that person left you for another person or it didn't work out and, and you had it going here and you got blindsided, listen to me this morning, just because your emotions may make you feel like you're not wanted, you are wanted, you are important, you are valued, you cannot listen to the lies that deception wants to bring, you've got to invade it with something that is true. So what do you do when the lies seem louder than the truth? What, what, what do you do when you're in a dungeon that is lonely and you don't feel it? Here's what I would tell you. Your emotions and thoughts must be filtered through the truth of God's word. Your emotions and thoughts, and I would even change this to this. Your emotions and thoughts must be filtered through the absolute truth of God's word. There's got to be something that is way more steady, way more stable, way more, has way more authority than your emotions of a moment and the feelings of loneliness that you have. You've got to filter your thoughts and emotions through the absolute truth of God's word. If you drink coffee, which a lot of you do, I've seen it. You do go out during mingle time. You're like, yep, more coffee because Justin's going to bore me today. I feel it. I feel it. Anyways, um, some of you, you, you make coffee at home. When you make coffee, a filter is a must. Filter is a must. I did it once um, early on when I didn't know how to make coffee. And I was like, 
what's a stupid, funky-looking basket for, right? You just, like, chunk the coffee in, and I take, I, I let it brew, I get it out, and I, like, drink it, and there's grounds all in my mouth. It tastes gross. I'm like, oh, never had coffee like this, right? This must be what they call French press. But, um, you know, I'm like, what, what? <laughs> What is this? And it's because I didn't have a filter and it kept, there. it just made a mess of everything. And can I tell you the truth is this. When you don't have a filter for your thoughts, when you don't have a filter for your emotions that are bigger than the moment, you will start making a mess of your life. And you will start doing and acting on things that are harmful, that are reckless, and sometimes, and I'm not trying to be mean, I'm just being honest, sometimes that are just stupid because you're lonely. And just because you're lonely, don't let loneliness turn to desperation. Don't let loneliness make you lower your standards. Man, make sure you're filtering things through the Word of God. So what does the Word of God says? Well, the first thing about the Word of God is found in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 through 17. It says, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It, tell, it shows me what's true and what's wrong, what's true and what's false. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. It's got to be a part, an active part of your life because it shows you truth from false. It shows you what is true and what is a lie. If you're going to fight and win and you're going to survive your dungeon and you're going to thrive in your dungeon of aloneness and loneliness, you can't fight the same way. Some of us, we keep fighting life and fighting our battles the same way, but we don't ever yield different results because we're not trying to fight using the Word of God. We're trying to fight using the latest, greatest teaching or the latest, greatest book. Can I tell you, you've got to filter it through something that doesn't change, that is consistent, that is constant, that is true for every person in every situation. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5 tells us how to fight. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You can't take captive some of the thoughts. Hear me. You've got to learn to filter and take captive every thought that wants to invade your dungeon and your life. If you're going to be a massive, strong, powerful follower of Christ, if you're going to survive your dungeon, man, if loneliness is not going to get the best of you, you've got to filter your thoughts and you've got to take captive every thought and every emotion that wants to run free and wild in your life. Because hear what God says to you about loneliness and aloneness this morning. Psalms chapter 23 says this. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you're close beside me. 
Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil and my cup overflows with blessing. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Isaiah 41.10 says this, Do not fear anything for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Be assured, I will help you. I will certainly take hold of you with my righteous right hand, a hand of justice, of power, of victory, of salvation. Isaiah 43, one through two says, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Romans 8.31 says, if God's for us, who can be against us? Verse 37 and 39 say, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Matthew 28.20 Jesus, the last thing he says to his disciples says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. Hear me on this. When you feel alone and when you feel lonely, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's what God is saying to you in the midst of your loneliness. And here's how I would paraphrase all that. This is what the Lord of God says to you. The Lord is my shepherd, so I have nothing to fear. Even when my situations are overwhelming, because God walks with me through everything. If God is for me, then nothing else matters, because with him on my side, I can't lose. Nothing, no matter how lonely I feel or the lies that I hear, can separate me from God, because he is always with me to the end of time. Some of you, you are going to say that. Some of you, you're going to have to write this on your window or your mirror. Some of you, you're going to have to write this where you see it on your computer screen because you're not just going to not feel lonely anymore. When you get a stain in your shirt, you've got a bunch of junk in your hair. On the bottom, it will say rinse and repeat as necessary. And I would tell you, when you continue to feel lonely, you got to come back and say, the Lord is my shepherd, so I have nothing to fear. Even when situations are overwhelming because God walks with me through everything. If God is for me, then nothing else matters because with him on my side, I can't lose. Nothing, no matter how lonely I feel or the lies that I hear can separate me from God because he is always with me even to the end of time. Even when everybody's left me, even everybody's walked away, even when it seems like nobody wants anything to do with me, even when nobody else knows what's going on, wash rinse, repeat. Man, the Lord is my shepherd, so I have nothing to fear, even when situations are overwhelming, because God walks with me through everything. If God is for me, then nothing else matters, because with him on my side, I cannot lose. Nothing, no matter how lonely I feel, or the lies that I hear, can separate me from God, because he is always with me, even to the end of time. That's what God is saying to you in the midst of your dungeon this morning. 
And I would encourage you as your pastor, man, write this down. Keep saying it, keep washing, keep repeating, whatever you got to do. But until this becomes your reality, instead of your emotions and your feelings and the lies, you've got to invade lies and emotions with absolute truth. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And God, no matter, no matter where we're at in this place this morning, God, I pray that we would understand you're with us. Lord, as Shannon, the worship team, saying, nothing comes between us. Nothing comes between us. Lord, you're with us. Whether it's in the furnace, whether it's in the valley of the shadow of death, Lord, whether it's in the cell of loneliness, you're with us. So with God with me, I can't lose. If God's on my side, I cannot lose. Because in all these things, I'm more than conquerors. So Lord, I pray today that, that our, our, our reality would be shifted. That Lord, our reality would not be determined by the lies we've listened to and the emotions and the feelings that we feel. But our reality would be the word of God who shows us what is true, shows us what is true and what is wrong, what's true and what's false. And so, Lord, I pray that we would allow our present circumstance in our life to be based on what the Word of God says to us about us and about our life and about our situation, and that we would not allow ourselves to be deceived in the dungeon of loneliness. But, Lord, I pray today that you would also speak to our hearts about finding our Silas. But Lord, there would be a, a, just a very practical and tangible step that we take because nothing gets better by us staying the same. But Lord, I pray that today we would change and we would take a step into finding our, God, that we would just start praying, that we'd start identifying, we'd start writing down, who's my Silas, who's my Silas, who's with me in the good and the bad, who speaks truth to my life, even when it's hard to hear because they care more about me than my feelings, who's my, who's my Silas? God, I pray, don't let us do life alone. Let us realize, God, we're never alone, you're with us, and you have put an amazing presence of saints around our lives us to be better together. Lord, I pray, speak to us today. In Jesus' name, I pray with heads bowed, eyes closed. This morning as you're here, you say, Justin, I'm here. And you know what? What you're talking about, I'm just battling loneliness. I'm just battling loneliness today. You can be married. It doesn't have a, any sort of bearing on your marriage. This is something you're, you're man, I just feel alone that's you today, I'm going to dismiss this in prayer in just a second. But if that's you today, I just want you to look up here. Just look up. You can open your eyes. Everybody else keep your eyes bowed or we got a lot of lonely people in this place. If you're battling loneliness and aloneness and you're just in your dungeon, just, just look up this way. Yeah. Yeah. God, you see every heart, you see every person and you see where they are not where they want to be. 
And God, I pray that today that we would first just understand that we are not exempt from your word. It doesn't apply for everyone else, but not our situation. God, your word applies to our life and our situation and where we find ourselves. And so, Lord, in the midst of our loneliness and us feeling alone, I pray that we would understand you are a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That, Lord, just because we go through hard things doesn't mean that you have left us or abandoned us. It's quite the opposite. You're right there in it with us. And so, God, I pray that Psalms 23 would ring true in our lives. That the Lord is my shepherd. I've got nothing to fear. I've got nothing that I'm going to need because he is the good shepherd that watches over my life. God, I pray for every person that is here, God, that you would speak to them and that they would take that next step in finding their Silas. But God, they would take comfort knowing that you care enough to see them, to know them. And I pray the reality of your word becomes their reality. The truth of your word becomes their truth in this place this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can you all stand with me across the Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, are in need of prayer, or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at Nicole at foundationschurch.tv. that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.